So we're in the Gospel of John this morning, chapter 15. We'll focus on verses 26 and 27 there in 15. Then we'll skip over to chapter 16 and verse 5. Take-home truth for today that I'm going to try to emphasize throughout the message repeatedly is that we desperately need the Holy Spirit's revealing work. Otherwise, we cannot know and experience Jesus. We desperately need the Holy Spirit's revealing work. Otherwise, we cannot know and experience Jesus. We pray with me before we read God's Word together. Lord, we come with grateful hearts that you accept out of our broken clay pottery praise, and you actually call it beautiful. And we rejoice in knowing God, our Savior. One of the songs mentioned this morning that you're actually singing that melody back to us. And some people may quibble with that, but yet your word says in Zephaniah 3, in verse 17, that you are actually dancing and rejoicing over all those who have faith and trust in your work. Lord, help us to recognize the melody of the story of Scripture that reverberates throughout all creation and will resound at that great moment when you come back and all the wrongs are made right. And our chorus will join the heavenly chorus. But until that day, we pray for clarity, understanding, perseverance, and faith to be who you have designed and created, created us to be. We come to your table, the place where we are fed spiritually. Where nothing in my hands I bring simply to your cross I cling and I pray that your spirit will empower us to be good listeners and good doers of your word. God, I pray that you remove anything in me that is unpleasing, anything that would hinder your message from getting to your people that are gathered here today, that you remove that. We give you praise and thanks for all that you are doing, for all that you have done, and all that you will do. Through Jesus' glorious name I pray, in whose kingdom we seek. Amen. John chapter 15, begin reading in verse 25 and 26. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. In 27, and he will bear witness because you have been with me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Skip down to 16.5. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, 
and he will tell you of the things to come. And he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. We desperately need the Holy Spirit's revealing work. Otherwise we cannot know and experience Jesus who gives us life abundant and free. For the last several weeks, we devoted our attention to the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And Pastor Daniel has labored to remind us who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And our focus today is on the way in which the Holy Spirit points to Jesus. I don't know about you, but I am fascinated by space exploration. I once had the opportunity to go to the Creation Museum in Petersburg, Kentucky. Uh, You're familiar with that, Answers in Genesis. At that time, the ark was not built. You know, they have this model replica ark that's there. Um, That wasn't built yet, but they had something called the planetarium. And inside the planetarium, you could see the planets. And they actually began to use scientific technology to zoom out. It was like 10 times 10 times, every, or like a tenth of a thousand. It was, it was crazy. They just kept zooming out. And so you've got Earth, and then you've got eventually the Milky Way galaxy, and you've got the broader solar system. And it was just fascinating to me because I began to immediately think all the stars have a moment of beginning and a moment of end. And when you look at Earth from space, from far, far away, it's, it's barely even a speck that you can't even see. And the world would look at that and say, see, you don't matter. You're just a nobody. But the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God tells us that he knows the number of hairs on our head. And he actually desires relationship with us. He's not a divine being who wound up the magic clock to start the universe and abandon us to our own selfish desires. The space race was a fascinating time in American and world history. Many of you have lived through that time. The, the Cold War uh, was the time in which the United States pitted itself against the Soviet Union, seeking to prove the superiority of its technology, military power, and entire political and economic system. One of the key objectives of the space race or of the space age was discovery. Not only that which is in space, but also how space could be used strategically, and sometimes negatively from a military standpoint. You could say that the space race was revelatory or that it revealed new things to humanity. NASA exists to discover and reveal things that were previously unknown or unelaborated on about space, not only about our solar system, but even beyond our solar system. The analogy ultimately does fall apart, But, in a similar way, the Holy Spirit seeks to reveal God's plans and His ways to us. And one of the primary responsibilities the Holy Spirit has is to reveal Jesus to us. We desperately need the Holy Spirit to show us who we are, who God is, and how we can have a relationship with God. Otherwise, the great chasm remains and we cannot know Him and we cannot experience reconciliation. Otherwise, we're left to imagine what God might be like through our faulty experience and understanding. That was the great failure 
of, of the time that was known as the Enlightenment. It was all about human humanness, human wisdom, human understanding, which is a great thing that God has given us because we're made in His image. But we're in this moment now. We had the Enlightenment, and then there was the period known as Modernism, and then there was what was called Postmodernism, which is the world I was born into in the 90s. Postmodernism says there's no truth, there is no objective, it's all relative to how you feel. I mean, that sort of works to some people, but there are still some objective truths. For example, if you tell the IRS, you know what, I, I don't think that I actually have to pay these hundreds of dollars out of my paycheck every week. Go ahead and try that. The objective reality is that the IRS will pursue you, and they will find you, detain you, or do whatever they need to do to make you pay up. There is objective truth. But as we think about God, we journeyed through a sermon series several months ago where we looked at the story of God, creation, fall, redemption, restoration of all things. But outside the Holy Spirit of God, we just make a God in our own image. We conjure up a being that we imagine to be God, but the fact of the matter is that He is above us in every way. Theology word. Here's a $3 theology word for you. God is transcendent from us, meaning that He's higher than us in every way, but He's also imminent, which means close, and He's the God who draws near. The fact of the matter is, we can't know what Jesus is like if we just try to imagine it. You might hear people at the gym when you work out or at the grocery store or at Los Bravos or wherever you go and do life. And they may say things to you, especially about the problem of evil. Well, I just don't know how, if there's a God, he could allow my grandmother to go through that. Or if there is a God, I don't understand why there's so much suffering and pain and heartache in the world. If there is a God, why doesn't he intervene? And maybe you're asking yourself that question today. We create God in our own image when we do that. We can't understand his ways, always. His ways are higher. We don't always have an answer or an explanation. Sometimes we have to sit in the uncomfortableness of that moment. But we don't have to figure out what God is like on our own. One of the most misleading teachings in our, in our culture today is that all roads lead to God. All roads do not lead to God. And even when you talk to people who may say they believe in God, they may not believe in a tri-personal being who the Scripture reveals. We make up our own God. And we're not alone in that. You look back to the Old Testament. Moses is on the mountain with God having an amazing worship service. He didn't want to leave. And then he comes down, even as he's talking to the Lord about the commandments for the people as they entered the promised land, what, is, what happens? Man, this guy's been up there for a long time. This Yahweh Jehovah God that he said is going to rescue us from the Egypt, where is he? We can't see him. Let, let's just make up our own God. And so they begin to, oh, you have some gold earrings and you have a, a gold ring and let's just melt it all, put it in a pot and we'll, have, we'll make ourselves a God. So they make a golden calf and begin to worship it. The Lord your God said this, Exodus 20, the Lord our God is one. You shall have no other gods before you. The Lord your God is a jealous God, not jealous of you, 
but jealous for you and for the affection and worship of your heart. We were created for worship, brothers and sisters, but we cannot worship if we have not experienced the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Two aspects of the Holy Spirit's ministry that I want us to focus on this morning. Two aspects of the Holy Spirit's revealing ministry. Number one, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and empowers us to point others to Him. The Holy Spirit empowers us and points us to Jesus and empowers us to do the same with others. That comes from verses 26-27 in chapter 15. Number two, the Holy Spirit acts in a shared authority with the Son and the Father. He reigns co-equal. So let's look at this a little bit further. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and empowers us to point others to Him. The Word of the Lord says, He will testify of me, and you will bear witness. Why is it that we need an outside being, the Holy Spirit, to point us to Jesus, the Messiah? The reason, number one, is that we are sinners. And every aspect of our human being was impacted in the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. Not just were we separated from God and there is a physical death that happens. By the way, everyone experiences the first death. But believers in God, believers in Jesus Christ, will not experience the second death. We will live eternal. And eternal life begins at the moment of conversion, not just when we die and go to heaven one day far off in the future. That doesn't really impact our lives today. What impacts our lives today is that we are living eternal life that will continue throughout the ages. But in our own faculty, in our own understanding in our mind, we will not desire God. We will not desire holiness. And the Bible says without holiness, no one will see the Lord. It's not about being a better person or trying harder. It's about recognizing that you're totally unholy and the only one who is holy is Jesus. But it's the Holy Spirit that points us to Him and reveals our need. The Word of God says He will bear witness. We see that image used throughout the New Testament. That is the mission and purpose of Jesus' church to bear witness to his work, his person and work until he comes back. I want you to think back to that moment when you first heard about Christ. I'm not talking about Jesus in a textbook, perhaps in a classroom. I'm not talking about on the movies. I'm talking about that moment when you were sitting in a worship service, when you were at your friend's house or when you knelt beside your bed or when you heard your grandmother praying to Jesus. What was that first moment like for you? For me, I had been in church for three months I, was, I grew up in a non-Christian family. I was a bus kid on the bus ministry. Anybody remember the bus ministry? And I had been in service for three months, and I had been studying the Bible. I had an excellent Sunday school teacher who made you like I wasn't even saved yet, and she made me want to read my Bible because she would call on us in class, in Sunday school, and you better have an answer because she's not moving on to the next person until you answer her. So the Holy Spirit of God began to work in my life, in my mind. And I had been in a worship service very similar to this one for three months. And then one day the pastor was preaching on eternity. And it was in that moment that what he said, I'm like, he's right. 
No other person in human history has ever fulfilled the prophecies that Jesus has. No other God of any other religion is actually trying to have a relationship with people. There's something different about Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit of Almighty God that began to reveal to me as a 12-year-old, you are a sinner, you are separate from God, without faith and repentance, you will not spend eternity with God in His heaven. And by the way, that's not a popular message today. But there is judgment coming. Those who believe in Jesus and affirm His Messiahship, you will be granted to spend eternity with Him. But there might be some here this morning whose Spirit of God is working on your heart even in this moment, convicting you of sin, telling you to let go and let God, inviting you into relationship with Him to say goodbye to your way and say yes to His way. The Word of God says the Spirit of God will not always strive with man. Lord God is knocking on the door of your heart, and this is not a fear-based thing. I understand fear-based evangelism. I grew up in that environment. But this is the truth of God's Word. Holy Spirit of God is working on hearts and minds all around us this morning. And He's pointing you to Jesus. He's telling you to look at the cross. He's telling you to know that your sins are forgiven. No matter how bad you've been, no matter how unlovable you think you are, Holy Spirit of Almighty God steps in and says, Yes, guess what? You too are lovable. And you too can be changed by God. You don't think about Jesus on your own. The Holy Spirit is actively pointing us to Him. Will you surrender to that or reject that? Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. But not only that, the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the same thing. He will bear witness of me and you will bear witness. What does the Word of the Lord say when the church is is in its baby stages? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, and I am with you always, even to the end of the age. By the way, the church said amen to that. That's good. We're going to be your witnesses. But then what begins to happen? Rome begins to be mean to Christians. It begins to persecute them, and they're in their holy huddle in Jerusalem. And what happens? God begins to allow, not cause, persecution because it's when we're uncomfortable that we begin to refocus on our mission those hard times are the times that form us so they're never going to get out of their holy huddle the holy spirit intervenes in a very drastic way and literally shakes some things up in the book of acts and then he sends them out to bear witness One of the things that's happening in our cultural moment right now, we do not live in a Christian cultural moment. We are in what people are describing as post-Christian. What that simply means is that there were a time when people affirmed biblical values even if they didn't actually believe themselves in Jesus. It was politically advantageous. If you were a member of the church, you could get elected to political office. Those days are over. Now, There is a healthy sense that we should grieve over the times and how culture has changed. But the other side of it is this. It's time for the real Christians to stand up and bear witness to Jesus. The world is watching and looking and yearning for someone to intervene in their lives, for someone to show them compassion, for someone to show that they matter and that they too can be redeemed and made new, brand new by Jesus. And brothers and sisters, times are not going to get any easier for the American church before Christ comes. It's not going to happen. Times are going to get harder. 
And those who are faithful, those who are truly redeemed, will persevere to the end because He's given us the Spirit as a guarantee and as a down payment. It's not super comfortable to talk about Him at work anymore, is it? You might be pressured. People may make fun of you. They may be like, you claim to follow Jesus and I know all the bad stuff you do. And you're, that's when you're like, yeah, you're right. Because I'm not saved by going to church or doing religious deeds. I'm saved by Jesus' finished work. And you too can be. But see, the thing is, I think God has allowed this to happen in our country. Where churches are in decline. Baptisms are not happening and a lot of my pastor friends are very discouraged about that. But I actually am encouraged by it. Because now people have seen enough fakeness in my generation, even younger than that, with our teens. Think about their generation. They can spot fakeness a mile away. And they don't want it. It stinks. And they don't have anything to do with it. But if you will stand up and really love Jesus and show them how he's done something from you, not just a hundred years ago when you got saved, but what He's doing for you right now in this moment, in this moment with your struggle and addiction, depression, anxiety, fear, failure, what's God doing? It's in those moments that you can begin to say, why are you so peaceful at work? I'm stealing this from Cherish. We were talking about being a light and using our gospel and being witnesses this weekend at the staff retreat. There's a difference in saying to a person, why are you so peaceful at work? Oh, I just I work part-time, that's why. That's a different thing, though, than when we say, I have peace, not because I don't have stress. I have peace, not because my life is perfect, but I have peace because Jesus gives me peace. That is bearing witness to the Spirit's work in your life. And if we're going to change our culture, that's where it's going to start. You've heard me say time and time again, I believe that we should be engaged politically. I believe that we should vote, and I believe that we should do what we can as citizens of this country. But our hope is not in 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue or in Indianapolis. Our hope is in the person and work of Jesus. We have nothing in ourselves. And the Spirit is continually singing a song, Look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. Isn't He beautiful? Isn't He wonderful? That's what the Holy Spirit is doing. Holy Spirit points us to Jesus and empowers us to point others to Him. There's a second activity or aspect of the Spirit that I want you to know it is from chapter 16. The Holy Spirit acts in a shared authority with the Son and the Father. What is this business about authority? Power and authority are the things that are corrupted in the Garden of Eden. God gave man power and authority over all creation, over every living thing that exists. And he says, be fruitful and multiply the creation mandate, theologians call it. He gave them the power to live out their life in Eden. He gave them the authority over all of, uh, you know, in science class, you have the kingdom, phylum, family, class, order, and genus and species and all that. God gives humanity dominion, permission to be managers over all creation. What happens when the fall happens is power and authority are corrupted to where rightful authority that was given to God's created image bearers is now snatched away. And that's why he's called the principality of the power of the heirs. Satan has a certain amount of authority. 
And he has a certain amount of power. But that shouldn't scare you. Because Jesus Christ is the one who has all authority. Under heaven, all things have been given to him. But the Holy Spirit is not out here going rogue. And that's one of the problems I find with a lot of contemporary teaching on the Holy Spirit. There are times when the Holy Spirit in the New Testament does draw attention to himself. Initially, I wanted to come to you and preach and say, the Holy Spirit never draws attention to himself. He always draws attention to Jesus only. But that's not the case. There are some times the Holy Spirit does kind of draw attention to himself. But not in such a way to detract from what has already been revealed about the Father and the Son. There is a cohesiveness to the three-in-oneness. There's a cohesiveness to the three-in-oneness. This is not a sermon about the Trinity. But we can affirm the Apostles' Creed. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ who suffered under Pontius Pilate. And we believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't act in His own wisdom. Notice what verse 13 says. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak in His own authority. Sometimes people get impressions. God told me this. The Spirit said this. Anything the Spirit shows you that is contrary to the nature of Jesus isn't the Holy Spirit. Maybe from another spirit. Well, how do we know, Brother Justin? How do I know if it's just my feeling? How do I know if it's an impression? How do I know if it's from Jesus or from the darkness? This is how you know. Ask this question. If it's temptation, for example, is this thing pointing you closer to God or further away from Him? Secondly, the spirit that works against the spirit of God is the spirit of darkness. Spirit of darkness. How do I know the difference? How can I know if it's just my feelings or if it's God? If that behavior or attitude or action is contrary to what Jesus would do. Remember when we had those bracelets that said WWJD? If it's different than that, it's not from him. I heard a story one time. A person told their pastor, they said, well, you know, I'm married, but the Lord told me that I'm supposed to have a relationship with someone who's not my, my spouse. That's not from God. The Lord has established marriage as a covenant and a set-apart thing. Marriage is special and sacred. He didn't tell you to leave your spouse. Now you bring up the question of like abuse and all that. That's a different topic. That's a whole different thing. My point of using that illustration is to say this. Holy Spirit of God is not going to come to two Christians who are in church and say, you should divorce your wife and be with that person's wife. Not going to happen. Why can I affirm that? Contrary to the nature of Jesus. We need to test our feelings and our attitudes Sometimes there are impressions that other people will tell you, man, I don't know if that's from the Spirit of God. That's between you and God. But as long as it aligns with the Spirit, if the Spirit's trying to set you free from something in your life and the Spirit says you need to quit, maybe that is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is actively at work. There's two truths that we looked at here, aspects of the Holy Spirit. One, He points us to Jesus. He empowers us to point others to Him. That was number one. Number two was this. He acts in a shared authority with the Father and the Son. It's beautiful when you think about it. Why does all this matter? Give you some bullet points. Why does all of this matter for you and I today? 2023, broken world, governments in chaos, unrest in the Middle East. Why does it matter? 
We cannot understand, number one, who we are without the Spirit's guidance. When we read God's Word, it not only reveals to us things about Jesus, but also about us. And I'm reminded of what Isaiah said in Isaiah 6 when he said, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I stand and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. In today's culture, if you want to share the gospel, if you want to go deeper and and point someone to a gospel conversation, we have to convince people they're lost first. But ultimately, it's not us who does the convincing. It's the Spirit of God. Why do I say that? If you go to a college campus today and you survey the students, probably a high percentage of them would say, yeah, like I'm a good person. Like I'm a pretty good person. I've never like murdered anybody or anything. We're depending on our own sufficiency. Spirit of God begins to break those walls down, break those strongholds down and begins to show you, no, you're not sufficient on your own. You need God. It's only those who are poor in spirit that get the blessedness of the kingdom because you realize who God is and who you are. Number one, we can't understand who we are without the Spirit's work. Number two, we can't understand who God is. If we don't know who God is, we can't actually glorify Him. This is the chief end of man, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And just saying, well, I believe in God, that may not be the same thing as saying, I believe in the God of Holy Scripture, the Christian Bible. People who claim to believe in a divine being but are not basing their knowledge on Scripture, the revealed truth of God's Word, are not glorifying the King of kings and Lord of lords. Number one, we can't understand who we are. Number two, we can't understand who God is without the Spirit. Number three, this, is, this one really resonates with me the most. We too easily get our eyes off Jesus. We too easily get our eyes off Jesus, even as Christians people whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, we get our eyes off Jesus. And brothers and sisters, this is where the rubber meets the road for you. Why does it matter that the Spirit reveals Jesus? Because the Spirit reveals Jesus in your marriage, in your brokenness, in your finances, in your broken interpersonal relationships. The Spirit is always saying, look to Jesus. In our pain and in our addiction, He's saying, look to Jesus. And you say, well, there's no way He could ever love me. There's no way He could ever... Forgive me. And the Spirit of God begins to step in in that moment and say, look at Him. See Him there. Behold the Lamb upon the cross. My sin upon His shoulder. It was my sin that held Him there until it was accomplished. Distractions. Busyness. Wrong priorities. And our obsession with ourselves. The only solution to that is the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit gives us strength to persevere. Helps us understand who we are. Helps us understand who God is. Helps us get our focus right. Number three gives us, or number four, gives us strength to persevere. Many of you have been walking with God for many years. And the only thing that I'm sad about is that I don't know all of your stories and how you begin as a baby Christian to trust in Jesus. But some of you have been serving Him 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, and more years. There's been some hard days on your road. There's been some hard days in your family. There's been days when 
you had the bad diagnosis from the cancer and it didn't make sense from the doctor about cancer. It's the Spirit of God that gives you strength to persevere and continue believing even when times are hard. You'll recall that one of the Spirit's roles is to comfort us and convict us. So on those days when you feel like, you know what, man, I, I just can't carry on anymore. Child of God, be encouraged knowing what Romans 8 says this. The Spirit bears witness with us and the Spirit groans with us in prayer before the Father and the Son with groanings too deep for words. Not only is Jesus the Son praying to the Father on your behalf, the Spirit is praying to, your, to the Father on our behalf. What a great truth. The Spirit of God gives us strength to persevere. We don't just pick ourselves up by the bootstraps. Sometimes in life, that mentality works. It's like, just set these goals and be better and do this in certain contexts. But when it comes to spiritual things, there's days you can't even pick your foot up to put yourself in the boots, much less tie the straps. It's the Spirit of God that gives you strength to persevere and says, listen, you may have failed, but you're not a failure. You can keep going. You can keep trusting Jesus. Look at the, the people who've died and gone on to heaven, Hebrews 11. Some days it may feel like you just want to give up. It may feel like you're hanging on by a thin thread that's about to snap. Can I remind you, brothers and sisters, it's not you who supports the root, but the root who supports you and the Spirit of God gives us strength to persevere. Another application. The world is broken and doesn't make sense. Holy Spirit gives us understanding of the reality of God and His real presence that's tangible in the world. Unbelievers are all around us, brothers and sisters. One of our priorities for 2023 was that Faith Church would become more passionate about sharing the gospel. We talk to you about the story of God and we talk to you about sharing your faith. And we're going to continue to emphasize that even as we move forward. Why does it matter that the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus? There are unbelievers all around us. We can have conversations with them that point to Christ, but ultimately it's not us that convicts them of their sin. We're not called to be the Spirit. We're called to bear witness to, to Jesus and he'll take care of the rest. As we seek to share our faith and engage in evangelism and in gospel conversations, we must seek to find out where the Spirit of God is already working in our friends and co-workers and neighbors' lives. We're not trying to do a new thing for God at Faith and Chandler. We're trying to find the river that the Spirit's already working in, whether it's people with addiction and brokenness or whatever it is, where He is working in Chandler. We don't want to start a new thing for Jesus. We want to find out where he's already working and softening the hearts and mind, minds of men and women, boys and girls. Here's some applications for you that will make it hopefully more practical. Number one, take time this week to pray to the Holy Spirit. Did you know when you pray, you can talk to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit when you pray? And I want you to do this. When you pray to the Holy Spirit this week, I want you to say, Holy Spirit, show me Jesus in my work, my marriage, my friendships, my money. You can pray that prayer. Holy Spirit, show me Jesus in the ordinary things in my life this week. You can pray that and you'll be surprised how many times the Spirit will show up in ways that you didn't even, when you begin to pray that prayer, show me Holy Spirit where you're at work, He will do it. Number two, we already talked about that time when you first became a Christian. Some of you were in a 
church service. Some of you went to a, a meeting where there was an evangelist preaching. Some of you may have went to like a Billy Graham thing or you may have seen that on the television. What was it that the Holy Spirit, I want you to reflect for a moment. What was it that the Holy Spirit revealed to you in that moment when you said yes to to Jesus? You know, we sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. No, Though no one join me, still I will follow. But the reality of it is this. We don't just choose to follow Jesus on our own. Spirit of God does that and shows you, hey, you need Him. Application one, pray to the Spirit, ask Him to reveal His work. Number two, think about that time when you first became a believer. And perhaps you haven't become a believer and the Spirit of God's now working. I want you to know that uh, it would make my day to be able to lead you to Calvary today. So if he's working on you, don't reject him. Application number three. Pray the Holy Spirit will be, help you become increasingly more aware of, your, of his activity in your life and the world. Pray the Holy Spirit will help you become more aware of his activity in your life and the world. Evangelism. This is our last application. We need to pray the Holy Spirit will open doors for us to share our faith. We also need Him to teach us when we need to be quiet and when we need to talk about Him. That's one of my struggles. When I'm sitting in the 911 center and we're talking about God and religion, and I'm like, is this a moment where I like push back against faulty beliefs? Or is this a moment where I need to say like the truth? Or is this a moment where I need to like be quiet and let this person talk about their story? Spirit will tell you what to say when he opens up the doors. Brothers and sisters, we desperately need the Holy Spirit's revealing work. Otherwise, we can't know and experience Jesus who offers us abundant life. We're dependent on the Spirit's ministry from the time we are saved until the time we die or Christ returns. And there's so many times the Spirit of God's revealing himself to us in the ordinary things of our lives. And the great thing about being part of a church family and not being a Lone Ranger Christian is that we all bear witness to the reality of Jesus and your spiritual gifts and my spiritual gifts come together to paint a beautiful picture for the kingdom of God and our little outpost of the kingdom that's called Faith in Chandler. We can't change what happens in Newburgh. We can't change what happens in the state of Indiana or in the world. But what we can do is we can faithfully tend to the plot of land that Triune God has given us here on North 5th Street and in Chandler and in the world beyond. We collectively bear witness to Jesus and His Spirit. And that Spirit shines most brightly, church, when we are unified, when we are on mission and when we are relying on the Spirit's power and presence to change us. Without the revealing ministry of the Spirit, we couldn't know Jesus, be Christian, serve in His church. It is only through the way in which the Spirit points us to Jesus that we experience freedom and real life. Will you stand with me and pray as our musicians are preparing to come?